Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. I hope you are hydrated because today we are going to be using human power here on Wintry Mix. This is episode 14. My name is Alex Kaufman. We're coming to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio in Colchester, and we're happy to have Megan Elmaker, the intern, back in town. How was your break, Megan? It was good. Lots of skiing. Did you work on your cardio? Uh, did a little shoveling, so. All right. I, I didn't at all, but today <laughs> we're going to talk to Yuri Bihun, who is with the Camel's Hump Challenge, which is a backcountry circumnavigation of Camel's Hump to benefit the Vermont Alzheimer's Association. And we're also going to speak with R.J. Thompson, who is with Native Endurance, and they are launching a new event uh, called the 24 Hours of Bolton, which apparently has people going up and down Bolton for 24 hours. Uh, I I can't do anything for 24 hours, let alone exercise. So it'll be interesting to hear from him as well as Yuri on the Camel's Hump Challenge. Uh, Megan, do you have some background information to get us started? Alrighty, so Camel's Hump is Vermont's third highest mountain, and the profile of Camel's Hump is on the Vermont flag. And then for 24 hours of Bolton, um, you can compete for 12 hours as an individual or 24 hours as a relay team. And a relay team can be made of a split boarder and a teleskier, doesn't really matter. And then backcountry skiing is the fastest growing aspect of snow sports in the industry today. Well, thank you. All right, Megan, let's get hydrated and get ready for Yuri Behoon from the Camel's Hump Challenge up next on Wintry Mix. Morning, sleeping beauty. Ah. <gasps> <laughs> I was wondering when you was going to wake up. Take whatever you want. Just don't hurt me. <sighs> this episode of Wintry Mix is proudly supported by Snowbird. Located 35 minutes from Salt Lake City International Airport, Snowbird is stacking foot upon foot of natural snow to kick off the 15-16 season. Take a break from East Coast conditions and get yourself first tram as early as tomorrow while enjoying $35 million in resort upgrades, including remodeled slopeside rooms at the Cliff Lodge and RFID lift tickets that never have to leave your pocket. Give yourself the bird this season and find out how you can get your fifth night free at snowbird.com. <laughs> You're funny. I like you already. My name's Mater. Mater? Yeah, like tuh Mater, but without the tuh. All right, I have drank my bottle of water. I am hydrated. I think I am ready to circumnavigate Camel's Hump. Uh, but thankfully, we're here with Yuri Behoon, who is with the Camel's Hump Challenge which benefits the Alzheimer's Association of Vermont. Uh, Yuri, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me, Alex. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, introduce us to the Camel's Hump Challenge, if you can. Um, Obviously, it's uh, just outside of Burlington, Camel's Hump. We all see it every day, but not a lot of people ski it, but apparently you do, and you've been doing it for a while. Yes, I've been doing the Camel's Hump Challenge since the winter of 94, and the Camel's Hump Challenge is a ski that traverses around the perimeter of Camel's Hump at about 1,500 to 2,800 feet. I think that's the high point, the height of land that we go over. It takes anywhere from four, five to eight hours. It might take longer if you're not in any kind of shape, but usually it takes about five to seven hours. And you said 1994 was the first year that you made this this ski, uh, but the event's been going on longer. When did it first get started? The event actually started in the mid-80s. We believe the first Camel's Hump 
challenge was in 1986. So it was started by a guy by the name of Warren Beacon. Dr. Warren Beacon was an internist at the hospital here and an avid backcountry skier, Nordic skier. He was also a downhill skier, but he liked getting up in the woods and doing single track backcountry Nordic. It's sort of a hybrid. The actual length of the ski, you said it takes between four or five up to seven hours, uh, but how many, is there an amount of miles specifically? Yeah, and we've had it GPSed recently, so we think it's about 21 clicks. For years, we were saying it's 26 clicks, so that comes out to 13 miles if it's 21 kilometers and about 15 um, miles if it's 26 kilometers. We believe the 21 kilometers is more accurate. And for those that aren't necessarily local, Camel's Hump is located basically between uh, Bolton, Stowe to the north of it, Madra Valley, and Sugarbush to the south of it. Uh, Burlington is to the northwest. Montpelier is to the slightly to the southeast. Um, it is one of the highest mountains in Vermont that doesn't have an operating downhill ski area on it. Um, so that makes this a, an opportunity to get out in an area of the state that doesn't see nearly as much foot traffic as as, as anywhere else. What's the best type of of actual equipment to use? Because you said that it's not quite cross-country skiing, it's not quite backcountry skiing. What, what do you suggest people use if they, if they want to participate in the Camel's Hump Challenge? Depends on your level of skiing. If you're an expert uh, cross-country skier and a racer, I've seen, I've seen kids uh, from some of the academies here, uh, Mad River or wherever, have done the event on skinny skis. You can do it in that, uh, but most people uh, do it in a rugged cross-country ski with full or partial edges. I would recommend full edges, but not necessarily a, a big, you know, fat ski. So there are, there are, there is climbing. There's a lot of climbing. There's a lot of traversing, and there's uh, a fair amount of, uh, of downhill, I would say about maybe 30% of it. And it's almost exclusively wilderness. There's not a lot of road access. Once you've started this race, you're generally committed right. to it, Right. So, so you made a good point about Camel's Hump. Camel's Hump is one of the highest, I think the second or the third highest peak in Vermont. And for Vermont, it is one of the few, if only, it's the only undeveloped mountain over 4,000 feet. Yeah, you're basically on your own when you get up there. So, And there's no turning around. Once you start the ski... Uh, there's no bailout point, except we do have a mid-station. The uh, Mad River uh, Ski Patrol does the sweep, or has for the last uh, half dozen years. And then there's a couple Camel's Hump Challenge Steering Committee folks that are skiing along. And then there's somebody who breaks the trail who has skied the mountain multiple times. And how many people typically do this race uh, year over year? What's a, What's a good crowd? I think the most we've ever had was... 70, 75. So you're talking about a single track. I mean, if you get, if you got a hundred people out there, even under the best conditions, it would be moguled out. But we have had fresh snow, a foot and a half, two feet of fresh snow that you've had to break trail. So you may have eight guys breaking trail, basically, you know, taking turns skiing through that. So that has happened. So folks that are curious, it's a fundraiser for the Vermont Alzheimer's Association. Uh, I assume people can begin to register now, start raising funds now. How does that process work? Yeah, you go to the Camel's Hump Challenge uh, website, just uh, Google Camel's Hump 
Challenge. I think it's correct? That is correct. There we go. You can register, and you can do the fundraising. There's a minimum of $150 you have to raise to be able to ski the event, and we ask for pledges. In the old days, you would have written pledges, and people would give you cash or a check. Now, with the website, this is all done digitally, and it's really cool and really easy for people to raise funds. But last year, we raised close to $30,000. I read something about that this is the only time people have access to this specific combination of trails. Is that How does that work? So the Camel's Hump Challenge has been going on for 30 years, and a good portion of it, I'd say 70% of it, is on the Camel's Hump State Park. In the early days, we had to mark the trail with flagging. I'm a forester. We call it flagging, uh, which is just ribbon that you put on when you're laying in a skid trail or when you're um, marking boundaries or something. And then we'd have to take it down. It's only a winter ski trail. You couldn't find parts of it in the summer. And then about five or six years ago, the state officially sanctioned the trail and gave us tags. So now it is a permanent winter-only ski trail, in backcountry ski trail in Vermont. Well, Yuri Behoon, good luck with your fundraising, um, camelshuntchallenge.com, and good luck with your snow on the trail so you can have an effective event this year. Great. The event's March 6th, and please go to the website. It's for the Alzheimer's Association of Vermont. The the money stays locally to help Vermonters um, that are suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia, so it's a good event. March 6th, rain date, and I hope it's not a rain date, but secondary Backup date is uh, Sunday, March 13th. So see you there. Thank you. Welcome back. We just wrapped up with Yuri Behoon, who was with the Camel's Hump Challenge to support the Alzheimer's Association of Vermont. My name is Alex Kaufman. This is Wintry Mix. And uh, they've been running that event for decades. But we're about to chat with R.J. Thompson, who is with an organization called Native Endurance. And R.J. is trying to kick off a new event. R.J., thanks for joining us. And what exactly do you have up your sleeve right now? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, well, we've got uh, the 24 Hours of Bolton Backcountry Ski and Slipboard Race happening uh, this March 19th and 20th up at Bolton Valley. And 24 hours, you're doing what for 24 hours? How does that work? So uh, you are going to be skinning uphill, uh, either on your skis or slipboard, and then you'll be uh, descending on your skis or slipboard after you take your skins off. So we have uh, two loops. One is a daytime course. Um, which is essentially in Bolton's uh, backcountry. Uh, most of the loop is on backcountry terrain. And then in the evening, we're going to transition racers over to uh, a nighttime loop, which will be on alpine terrain. And racers will still need a headlamp. The course won't be lit. Um, so the racers, again, will transition as the sun sets. And once it rises the next morning, we'll send them back over to the daytime loop. And this is uh, one person or relay or both? How are the teams organized, if there are even teams at all? Yeah, absolutely. You can do it uh, all by yourself uh, for 24 hours if you're feeling really hardcore and want to go through the Suffer Fest, which actually we, uh, right now, most of the people so far have registered for the 24-hour solo 
pursuit. Um, we also have two-person and four-person relay options. Um, and if you're just getting into uh, these types of events, there's also a 12-hour division um, with individual and relay teams as well. Now, an endurance challenge that's 24 hours long, is this something that, that goes on nationwide in different capacities, or is this something that's completely brand new? So it, it, it does go on nationwide and for, for different sports. With backcountry skiing, it's not as common. Um, uh, from what I understand and what I've been told from the SKIMO or the Ski Mountaineering community, um, this is actually the first one in New England. Um, they tried to do one a few years ago, I believe, I think at Whaleback or Magic Mountain, I can't remember exactly, and from what I understand, it didn't happen. It ended up just being a 12-hour race, which is a, a bummer, um, but good good for trying, of course. Um, and then there was another one out in Colorado that hasn't happened in a while. So I'm also told this is uh, allegedly the only one to be happening in North America this year, which is kind of cool. What was that that first meeting like when you're trying to get this event together uh, with your partners, whether that be Vermont Adaptive or Bolton or, or other folks that you're working with, uh, when you first kind of pitched this idea? How, how did it kind of go over? Bolton Valley is, has been really receptive to it. So it wasn't like I really had to kind of twist their arm or <laughs> uh, convince them. I think that they realized how great their backcountry terrain is, and I think they, they want to showcase it um, in any, any way they can. So this is a great opportunity for, for them to do that. So endurance and also like obstacle races and things like that have kind of been blowing up all over the country. Ways people can really, really challenge themselves um, beyond the scope that most humans probably ever do. Um, you know, on that thread, uh, recently, you know, what made national news a lot was Scott Jurek uh, going up and down the AT as fast as he humanly could, and I believe setting a record. What was kind of, you know, your take on that or, or just the general state of people going for records and, and challenging themselves and, and the entire economy kind of surrounding that? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, as far as the obstacle races are are concerned, I'm not really super into them. Uh, me personally, they're, they're just not for me. I, I kind of enjoy the, the endeavors that are more pure in their pursuits, you know, like running or skiing, uh, hiking. But what Scott Jurek did is, is absolutely incredible. Um, he managed to he did he did break the record um by a few hours i think that you will always have detractors you know i just said that um being a purist is kind of what i tend to align with but i also think that humans have the right to push their limits and if someone wants to run up the appalachian trail um then go for it <laughs> you know he had a support crew and to even to just organize uh, a support team for those thousands of miles that they had to cover is an achievement in and of itself. So what Scott Jarek did is incredible, and I applaud him for that. And you personally, do you have some goals that you hope to achieve, places you hope to go uh, as far as your endurance sports uh, you know, career or pursuits? I mean, what do you have left to accomplish that, that, you, that you have your eye on? Um, you know, I'd like to go after the long trail. Uh, the long trail unsupported speed record is um, just a little under seven days. And I tried to break that record in 2014. Um, and I was actually ahead of pace and I ended up tweaking my knee and had it pretty, pretty badly injured, had to come off the trail after four days. But um, 
I'd like to go after that again. So, RJ, back to the event really quick. Uh, what's the date of it? It's March 19th and 20th. Starts at noon on Saturday, the 19th, and finishes at noon on the 20th. There is a fundraising component, so once you know racers register, they're given a fundraising page, nativeendurance.com slash Bolton24. All of their donations go to Vermont Adaptive Ski and Sports. All right. I don't think I'm in the physical shape to take this on this year, but Megan, you're younger than me. You, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I could do 24 hours. Maybe I'd like do like a lazy, like, could I do like a relay in 12 hours? Well, there's 12, there's yeah. relay. I don't know if there's a 12 relay. There's 12. And don't, and don't think of it. It's certainly not lazy. Once you, once you get out there in the middle of, middle of the night, you're, you're definitely not going to feel lazy. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> So strategies, um, help us out here before we let you go. What are the couple things you can do to bang the most vert, to bag it, to just get the most? What are the tricks? Work on your transition. Uh, that's definitely uh, a key. A lot of people forget that, you know, in a race like this, you have to take your skins off and then put them back on again. So work on getting your transitions dialed in as quickly as you can, taking those skins on and off and getting in and out of your bindings if you need to. Um, a lot of people who are really into this type of racing are able to not even take their skis off their, their foot to, uh, to, to do this. They can just kind of transition with everything on. If you think of a, a triathlete when they get out of the water and somehow are on their bike in seconds pedaling away, the other, I guess, tip I would give is to just get out there whenever you can and, and go skinning and do a night skin. Um, go out for an evening lap on your local ski hill. It's, uh, you know, a lot of places now have uphill policies, uh, and those that don't have any uphill policy um, kind of just, you know, look the other way when you're going uphill, but uh, respect, you know, respect their wishes and, and go for a night skin and see what it's like to, to ski uh, skin up and, and ski down in the evening. It's it's quite exhilarating, actually. What is your prediction for, like, the most amount of laps for, like, a 24-hour individual? Yeah, what are you expecting to win this? Yeah. Let's see here. I think that you'll be able to finish the daytime loop in around an hour if you're in pretty good shape. It might take you a little longer or if you're faster, a little less. But around an hour for the daytime loop um, and the evening lap will be shorter because it's on the alpine terrain and, um, you know, we're focusing on safety overnight. Yeah, I'd say between 12 and 15 for the for the top competitors on that daytime loop. And then in the evening, you'll probably have around 15. I love how you say evening and you actually mean like dark to sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just evening, you know, just from like sun sunset to sunrise. And it's actually cool because it's, I mean, it's still the same amount of daylight, but it's, I think, the week after daylight savings. So we'll be skiing until, you know, like 6.30 p.m. or so with the sun out. I know it's still the same amount of daylight, but it's just a, psychologically maybe it's a little different for people. I can see that for sure. R.J. Thompson, Native Endurance, thanks for being with us here on Wintry Mix. Good luck with the 24 hours of Bolton. Good luck. Are you actually going to do it, or do you actually just have to watch because you're organizing it? Yeah, sadly, I actually won't even be able to race. I'll, uh, I'll be running around making sure everything is in line and uh, all of the... Um, Judges and volunteers are where they need to be and just making sure everyone in general is, is having a really good time. That's our, our really top priority is making sure everyone has a blast, enjoys the event, and uh, spreads the word, and hopefully we can keep it going um, for years in the future. All right. Well, best of luck with that, and we hope you get good weather. Thanks a lot, guys. Pleasure chatting with you. Thanks, RJ.
Cheers. What's your name? You you don't know my name? No, no, I know your name. Is your name Mater too? What? <laughs> I feel like I could do the camel's hump challenge if I just kind of upgraded my equipment a little bit. Yeah. I think I, would, I wouldn't be the fastest. I think I'd be towards the end of the line. Oh, it's just about completing. <laughs> but 13 miles, backcountry, no escape routes. Like, once you start, you're, you're signed up. Um, the 24 hours of Bolton thing, definitely couldn't do it solo. Maybe could do the relay 12-hour portion. So there, there's some options. You don't have to be a superman or superwoman, I think, to participate in either of these. Uh, but you do have to have good equipment. You do have to know how to use that equipment. And you probably have to have some amount of practice and confidence in your athletic ability, I would think. Yeah. Need endurance. Well, that was episode 14. We really appreciate you tuning in. And Megan, good luck in the second semester. How many credits? 19. Oh my gosh. That sounds harder than the 24 hours of Bolton <laughs> to me. Um, we have production support from Angela Evansy. Our theme music is by Adam Levy. And new to the show, you can leave us a voicemail and tell us about your role in the winter economy by calling 802-234-3019. And if it's interesting, we might put it in the podcast. If it's not, I'll probably listen to it and delete it, but that's up to you. Thanks for listening, guys. Are you a Cliff Bar guy? I used to be a Cliff Bar guy. My wife turned me on to stuff that it looks like bird feed that you just, uh, it's in a little bar. You know what I'm talking about? I, I wish I could remember what it's called, but. Bird uh, feed, bird feed bar. <laughs> kind bars? The kind bar.